Listener Production. This tendency of falling prey to the power of bad probably evolved early in ancient history to help us because, you know, if you miss out on something good, well, that's unfortunate, but not life-threatening. Whereas if you fail to notice some danger, a predator, or poison, or whatever, that could be the end of your life. I'm Margie Hartley, executive coach to senior leaders around the globe, and this is Fast Track. How often have you focused on the negative feedback rather than the positive? Eminent social psychologist Dr Roy Baumeister says that negativity rules us and his research focuses on the role of negativity in our perceptions. He is co-author of the bestseller The Power of Bad, how the negativity effect rules us and how we can rule it. On this episode of Fast Track, it's a huge warm welcome to Dr Roy Baumeister, Professor of Psychology at the University of Queensland and recognised as one of the greatest ever social psychologists. Roy, thanks for joining me. What got you interested in the topic of negativity? You have covered many topics in your research, from self-esteem, self-control. What actually made you interested in this topic? I came into psychology from philosophy, and I thought, well, what psychology offers me is a way to study the mind and study the great philosophical problems using the scientific method. And so I keep my eye around looking for data, and I want to understand lots of different things about it. Now, I I notice patterns in things, and I noticed in a variety of different places that uh, people's research reports, I never know what to make of it or something, but if there was a a good manipulation and a bad manipulation and and a neutral control, the bad one had more impact. Even in my own studies and another line of work on rejection, you know, we'd have people into the lab and we'd give them either an a social acceptance, everybody loves you, or a rejection, nobody loves you, uh, or a neutral control. And the rejection was much farther from the neutral control in whatever we measured than the acceptance condition. So the title of the original scientific article was Bad is Stronger Than Good. So that's the principle we're talking about as a, as a psychological pattern. So I thought, well, this is a this is a, a curious little thing. It's funny this you know, the other work I do is in programs of research where I do many studies on the same thing. This paper was all alone by itself, you know, until I, I wrote the book, but is never something I studied on its own. And yet it's you know, my second most cited uh, uh, paper is something like 8,000 different scientific articles have listed it in their, in their bibliography. And, and 10 is considered a success. That's 10, not 10,000. Uh, so 8,000 is just just beyond belief, but it's because it keeps happening over and over. Many, many people have found it. And when I started, I recruited a couple of my students and colleagues and said, well, let's let's look through the literature and see where this is, and we'll see where it happens and where it doesn't. And that will make us, you know, we'll know why it occurs, because we'll say it, it occurs here, but not there. So we thought, well, maybe it occurs with the past. Bad things are stronger, but in the future, uh, good things will be stronger. But we couldn't find the exceptions. It just seemed to be true everywhere. The ones that had noticed it in their own area were impression formation. When you meet someone new, you learn something bad about them, it has more impact on your total impression than learning something good about them. 
Wow, that's so interesting. Oh, that's that, that's clear, and, and they had noticed it, uh, but they hadn't generalized it beyond that. And likewise, the economists had uh, what they called loss aversion, that people are more upset about losing $100 than they're happy about gaining $100. And oh. so investment strategies are biased by that. So those are the two that had noticed it. But we found it everywhere. We found it in relationships. The bad things you do have much more impact on the relationships than the good things. We found it in moods and emotions uh, and in thinking and making judgments. It just it just showed up everywhere. When I wrote the book, which was about 20 years later, I said, well, let me read all through all this literature and see what else people have found. There were already many thousands of other articles citing it because sometimes people will say there are complications or exceptions. and But no, mostly we're just saying, here it is again. And they often had to explain to their reviewers, if you have a good and a bad condition and, and the, the bad departs from the control more than the good, the reviewers will say, why is that? Is something wrong with your good manipulation? And they could say, no, this is <laughs> this is the way the world works or this is the way the mind operates uh, everywhere. They even found it, uh, there were some studies with uh, rats and learning and things like that. I mean, learning is a big thing. We, we all like to think that just rewarding and praising would be enough for people to learn, but they learn a lot faster from punishment. I mean, the best thing is, is to use both. You get the most information, but there are controlled studies, for example, with children where they give them a jar and every time you get a right answer, you get a marble or you start off with a full jar and every time you get a wrong answer, you lose a marble. And the, the children in the losing the marble condition learn faster than the wow. ones getting it. There's even a study with teachers uh, that said you need to get your students up to perform at this level on the standardized test at the end of the year. And, and they managed to do a, a random assigned proper experiment where some of the teachers were told, if your students reach this level, you'll get a bonus. And others were given the bonus at the start of the year and said, well, if your students don't reach this level, you'll have to pay it back. So it's exactly the same financial contingency, everything the same. But the kids did better when the teacher had been paid in advance and didn't want to lose the money in his or her bank account, uh, as opposed to thinking I might get the bonus at the end of the year. Sort of goes against every principle, educational principle that you hear these days. I'm curious about the impact with positive psychology on looking for what's strong rather than what's wrong. Or is that a antidote to your observations of human nature being bad um, is power? No, I, actually, yeah, I, I, I spend a lot of time with the positive psychology people and they they, they know this paper very well and, and, and they like it because it explains why we need more positive psychology. I mean, there's so much evidence that Bad things have stronger impact than good ones. Uh, but, you know, life is generally pretty good. And why? It's because there's a lot more good. Good wins by force of numbers. Okay. And so we need positive psychology so people can capitalize and maximize and cultivate uh, uh, more good things. Uh, it's still true that you do something bad. It's going to have a much longer lasting effect uh, on the relationship. I mean, one of the relationship advice things we give is if you do something bad and annoy your partner, don't just think, okay, I better do something nice to make it up to him or her. You should think of, I've got to do four or five nice things <laughs> to make it up to her. Uh, they may seem similar to you, but in terms of the impact on the relationship, you need a lot more good ones. Relationship researchers had started to come around to this even before I, I came on the scene uh, in, in predicting which marriages uh, will last there's a, a story about a, a conference where a bunch of them were sitting around trying to predict uh, from somebody at 
had this huge data set of, of predicting marriages and well, how are you going to predict which ones last or not? And, uh, you know, they said, well, they have to have the same religion or the same political views or be both attractive or, you know, different people have different, but the one that won was let's look at the ratio of how often they fight and how often they have sex. Wow. <laughs> and, uh, if they have sex, uh, five times more often than they fight, uh, the relationship is really good. And if it's less than that, well, the more or less, the worse the relationship is. And and the beauty of it is it works for couples who have sex every day and fight once a week. And it works for couples who hardly ever have sex, but really don't have a fight hardly at all. As long as it's the five to one kind of ratio, it, it really leads to a healthy relationship. So I'm wondering how this applies at work now. So obviously the sex part isn't relevant. Uh, <laughs> Not yet, yes. But the fighting or the lack of trust or if there's a breakdown in trust, then we have to exponentially work at rebuilding that trust rather than just actually replacing it with one good act. Yes. I'm wondering if there are any other work examples you have around this. Oh, yes, there, there are quite a few. In our book, uh, my co-author, John Tierney, used the was a New York Times science writer for many years. In terms of customers, you know, these days there's so many uh, reviews online and one bad review has disproportionate impact. And I, I think everybody will will tell you that who's in, uh, in business. Uh, Tierney went and interviewed the hotel that had gotten the highest uh, reviews in New York City. Uh, you know, that's a lot of competition uh, for years. And they were just really punctilious and making sure that nobody had a bad experience. And so the problem customer, which, you know, everybody gets a few of those, they just went way out of their way to take care because reducing a few bad ones, you know, even if you can eliminate one bad review, that will do more for your your stature and then for your future sales uh, than any number of good ones. So in business, step one is minimize the bad. Uh, the same thing in terms of building a team. You're hiring people, you're putting together people to work together. One bad apple really can do a lot of damage. You may have a great team and you get somebody with a bad attitude. Uh, that person can spoil it pretty well. The reverse is not true. You have a lousy team with a bunch of messed up people. You hire one good person. No, it's not going to uh, elevate it to a, a successful level. So many business people that uh, Tierney talked to had already come around to some some form of this, that uh, first I got to eliminate the bad and the, the problems. They had a, the no asshole rule. We have <laughs> the no dickheads policy. Yes. Uh, yes, because one can do why disproportionate damage. It's Again, it's an example that the bad things have disproportionate impact. How does our rational brain overcome the negativity bias? You spoke about the positive psychology ratios there. I believe Lasada and even Gottman then went on to, to sort of specify some of those ratios. But how does our rational brain overcome that negativity bias? Is it self-talk? Is it the way we speak to ourselves? Is it measuring? I'm a big believer that if, if you understand that the mind has a, a certain tendency being aware of it already is a step toward overcoming it. Uh, when you realize that this is what happens. Uh, Tierney said he started in the news uh, as a young journalist, and he was wondering, why does everything have to be a crisis? Uh, that uh, what gets on the front page of the newspaper, 
uh, back in those days was, you know, something terrible. Mm-hmm. Like you say, well, this could be a little bad, uh, but it's probably going to be all right. Well, <laughs> uh, that's not going to attract attention. Uh, again, this is just appealing to this tendency of, of the mind probably evolved early in, in ancient history to help us because, you know, if you miss out on something good, well, that's too it's unfortunate, but it's not life-threatening. Whereas if you fail to notice some danger, a predator or poison or whatever, that could be the end of your life. Mm. Uh, we say life has to win every day. Death only has to win once. Mm. So the mind is oriented in that way. And another thing uh, John noticed is that the books keep coming out predicting disaster. The predictions of disaster are sort of a staple of the media. And yet, objectively, life is good. Life is better than it's ever been before. I sometimes uh, I say, if you look at the broad sweep of uh, of history and all the different times and places, I sometimes think anyone born in the United States or Australia after World War II should never complain about anything. You won the lottery uh, in terms of all the, the times and places where you could be born. You don't have soldiers come to your town to burn it down and steal everything you have and kill the people in the process. Uh, the economy is good. The healthcare is great. So life gets better and better. And yet, and yet what keeps selling books and, and newspapers and so on is the uh, prediction of imminent disaster. Uh, again, that caters to something in the mind, but we can overcome that when we realize that, no, it's hardly ever going to be as bad uh, as people are predicting. And they're falling prey to the power of bad in their predictions, and we're falling prey to it uh, because that's what we uh, attend to. So you can relax and chill out and, and look at the facts, consider the upside, consider the positive side. It's what you refer to as the merchants of bad and the the, the modern <laughs> yes. malady of the merchants of bad and how we're attracted to content and even gamification by seeing what's wrong at the end of a TV series and so we can watch the next episode. And I, I think about the Stoics when you're talking and they just flashed up, you know, what's the worst thing that can happen and how bad can this truly be? And maybe we can still learn a little bit from from their philosophies in terms of managing yes. the power of bad. What do you think about that? Yes, uh, I'm, I'm not as well read on the Stoics as I, I could be, but uh, yes, we can certainly learn from them and we can relax. It's not likely to be as bad uh, as it's predicted to be. It's not as bad as even your own mind will tell you uh, initially. So you can relax. Roy, just at the end of the interview, and I'd just like to think about some tips at work to continue to combat the impact of negativity and our view of the world. If we're bombarded every day and our attention is taken from newspapers who are feeding us negative news and our boss might have told us the five things we've done wrong and one thing we've done right, how do we as human beings build our our muscle to manage? Is it self-control? Well, self-control is certainly helpful, but perspective is useful. You can also, we started talking about the low-bad diet, that if you spend a lot of time reading the news or following the media, you, you get this impression uh, that life is awful. Uh, I think there are studies showing that, that people who follow the news more have a more negative impression of, of, of life in general. Many people say society's going to hell, although actually my life is pretty good. Uh, well, 
it's kind of ironic that we have a, a society full of people who think their lives are, are nice and, and objectively are nice. Again, compared to just about anyone else in history, we live longer, better, happier. And yet they think society's bad because that's that's what the conversation and the, the media keeps coming back to. So look for good news. Subscribe to uh, some things that will uh, give you a smile. Uh, yeah. Sharing positive news, positive feelings with other people uh, is something that makes both people happier. So you can look for ways to do that. And the positive psychologists uh, do things like periodically reflect on what some of the good things are in your life that you can be thankful for. Also, they say uh, when something good happens, say to your spouse, you don't just say, oh, that's great. Uh, I'm glad to hear it. Good for you. Uh, but try to relive it with them and go through all the, the details. You know, something good happened exactly. Where were you sitting? What did they say? How did you feel? What did you expect? And that makes it better for both of you. So learning to celebrate better uh, is, a, is an important contributor to a positive life. And tell my students in academia, here we get a lot of rejections and problems and so on. So you got to celebrate when something good happens. You know, it's a long battle to get a paper published. Well, don't just cross it off the list when it's published. You know, go out to dinner and say, oh, this was a good thing and it was a struggle, but it ended well. And this is a, a great moment of success. If it's a major one, go out to dinner twice. I love that idea. And I recommend to everybody to read The Power of Bad, How the Negativity Effect Rules Us and How We Can Rule It because I believe just like self-control can be a complete game changer in the way we live our lives and are aware so we can make some different choices. I want to thank you so much, Roy. These episodes have been so insightful for the foundations of our working life and life in general. Dr. Roy Baumeister, thanks so much for joining us on Fast Track today. Thank you for having me on, Maggie. Thanks for a great interview. Fast Track was presented by me, Maggie Hartley. Producer, Tina Matalov. Audio production by Darcy Thompson. Executive producer, Jennifer Goggin. Listener.